today's reading is taken from the letter of James, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. So, James, chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Well, please keep that passage open. Let me read again verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I wonder how you respond to that statement. Maybe at the moment you are going through great trials. Maybe your health has gone. Maybe you've been bereaved. One person I know has lost a child and a partner within 18 months. Maybe you've got financial problems. Maybe you've been through family problems. Consider it pure joy. Isn't that completely unrealistic? Rather like the song, smile. Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by. If you smile through your fear and sorrow, smile and maybe tomorrow you'll see the sun come shining through for you. And so the, sun, the song goes on, smile, smile, just smile. No matter what you're going through, pin a smile on your face. Is that what James is saying? The answer, of course, is no. James is not saying you should pretend to be happy. He is saying consider 
it's pure joy. In other words, think about what God is doing in your circumstances. God has not abandoned you, even though bad things have happened. God is still in control. God still loves you. God is working out his purpose in your circumstances. A little bit of context. James, the author, is almost certainly James, the brother of Jesus, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's very humble about this. He doesn't introduce himself as Jesus' brother. Rather, he calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus. James is a servant, even though he's a very well-known leader. It was a huge joy and a privilege to have Roger Carswell with us last week. Roger is a very well-known speaker. He's preached to thousands on occasions, but he's very much a servant carrying books around, being available to people. Roger is a well-known speaker and author, but he's just a servant. And that's how James views himself. And he writes to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Immediately then, we think of the Jewish people, 12 tribes scattered throughout the Roman Empire, having been exiled at various points in their history. But actually, James is not writing exclusively to Jews. What he means by the 12 tribes is the people of God. Yes, Jewish followers of Jesus, but also Gentiles. Gentile followers of Jesus now grafted in to the Jewish people of God, so that there's now one people of God, one Israel, made up of all the followers of Jesus. And just as in the first century, now scattered among the nations. Now what does James have to say to God's people as they go through various trials? Three things to say. A word about reality, a word about resolution being resolved, and a word about remembering. Firstly, then, a word about reality. Verse 2 again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, is this possible? How can you be real? In this situation? How can you avoid just pinning a fake smile on your face? Well, it's because of verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Becca and I became romantically involved in 1994. I was 20. Becca was just short of her 19th birthday. Within three months, we were unofficially engaged. We were madly in love. 
we were absolutely certain that we were meant to be together forever. This summer, we, we celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. However, it's been the testing of our love which has produced perseverance. 28 years ago, we had no idea what difficulties we would go through. Our love was untested. When we were married and became parents and had to live on a small clergy stipend, particularly in my first church, when there were problems in the church, when I had a mental breakdown, when Becca became very unwell with arthritis and so on, when we went through trials, our love was tested far more than when life was easy. The testing of our love has produced perseverance. And it's the same in our relationship with God. It's the testing of our faith which produces perseverance, just like in any other area of life. We learn to keep going by going through trials. We have to do our exams in school and in university. We have to cope with the pressures of work. We have to cope with family pressures. And all of these pressures mature us. That's why we can consider trials joy. Not because they're fun, but because they change us for the better. As verse 4 puts it, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Life has not been easy these last 25 years, but when I look back on them, I feel a deep sense of joy that God has given me those years with Becca. He's given us lovely children. He's used us in his service. And as we look back on our Christian lives, we can say, yes, it's been a source of great joy to know the Lord Jesus, to serve him, to share our lives with him. We can be real. This is not just a fake smile. Trials have been the means of joy. I don't know if you've seen the film Shadowlands. It's the story of C.S. Lewis, the writer and professor. The film starts with C.S. Lewis lecturing on the theme of pain in life. And he really has got the whole subject sorted out. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world, he says. C.S. Lewis knew the theory. Then, some years later, C.S. Lewis fell in love and got married, only for his wife, Joy, to die of cancer. Now C.S. Lewis saw things somewhat differently. He said that when his wife died, his faith was a house of cards. 
one puff, and the whole thing would come tumbling down. Maybe that's how you feel today. C.S. Lewis went through trials. His faith was tested. His faith was tested almost to the point of destruction. But afterwards, he was able to say that his faith was stronger and deeper. Robbie and I enjoy watching rugby programs on television. Once we were watching a report of a training session and the players were being tested, their fitness was being tested. And at one point, one of the players was so exhausted that he vomited there and then on the pitch. And then he had to pick himself up and carry on running. Maybe that's how it's been with your faith. It's been tested almost to destruction. But God says, you can be real with him. Don't put on a fake smile, but do consider joy. The fact that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance will make you mature and complete, not lacking anything. So there's a word about reality, a word about being real. Secondly, a word about resolution, something to resolve here, something to decide about. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. To count trials joy, we need to have wisdom. We need wisdom to resolve. I will keep trusting God. I will seek joy in God. I will fight for joy in God. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, philosopher, writer, and Holocaust survivor. He was the founder of Logotherapy, a school of psychotherapy that describes a search for life's meaning as the central human motivational force. Viktor Frankl said, Man is destroyed not by suffering, but by suffering without meaning. We have to find God's meaning for our lives. Otherwise, we seek meaning in created things. And no created thing can ever provide the meaning we're looking for. Rather, we should resolve to ask God for wisdom. And when we ask for wisdom, God, the giving God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, will indeed give us wisdom. God's love and grace come through very clearly here. God does not find fault with us. He doesn't say, what, you? After what you've done? 
after what you said, after what you failed to do? How dare you ask me for anything? Not at all. God loves us. And he loves it when we bring our needs to him. In particular, when we bring to him our need for wisdom. But we must be resolved. We must be decided that we're going to live for God. Look at verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, as we've already seen, we have to be real with God. I shouldn't pretend that I have no doubts. Doubts afflict us all from time to time. But we must be firmly resolved. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the Son of God. I believe he died and rose again. I believe he paid for us all. We must firmly resolve in our minds. And if we have doubts, well, learn to doubt your doubts. Remember, it's Satan who wants us to doubt. Read good Christian books which address our doubts. Read a book like Cure for Life, which goes through the evidence for why Christianity is true. Read the books of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was a journalist and a skeptic, and he came to believe and trust in Jesus because he was led to faith by the evidence. Resolve in your mind to believe. And build that faith by reading the Bible, by bringing your needs to God in prayer and seeing him answer prayer. Keep coming to church. Keep listening to good teaching. Come to a home Bible study group Keep filling your mind with faith. Because if you give in to doubt, you'll be like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. James says that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They're in two minds. Here they are in church on a Sunday. Maybe on a Monday, they're living just like the non-Christian world. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Stability is a wonderful thing in life. I greatly appreciate that in my friends and family, especially in my wife, that no matter what happens, there are certain people I can rely on who will always be the same, They'll always be stable, strong, and reliable, not tossed about by the wind. Can you picture those winds and waves James is describing? Blown this way and that. Can you picture leaves 
in the autumn, swirling around in the wind. You don't want your life to be like that. So resolve. Resolve as of first importance that you will believe and trust in Jesus Christ. See the wisdom that comes through this resolution. See the blessing that God pours into your life. See the stability that comes from this. So a word about being real. A word about resolving to trust in Christ. And thirdly, a word about remembering. Something now to remember. Having talked about the theory of faith, James now gives us a worked example, verse 9. Believers in, high, in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. During Passion for Life, one of the interviewees was Jeremy Marshall, who's a retired private banker. In other words, he looks after the money of the seriously rich. And one of the things Jeremy said was that he could say, from vast experience, that money doesn't make people happy. Remember that. Remember, if you're in humble circumstances, if you have relatively little money, if you have a modest home, if you don't have the things the world chases after, God says you're in a high position. The Duchess of Buckingham was invited by the Countess of Huntingdon to listen to a Methodist preacher. The Countess of Huntingdon was one of the leading Christians of the 18th century. The Duchess of Buckingham wrote, I thank your ladyship for the information concerning the Methodist preaching. These doctrines are most repulsive and strongly tinctured with disrespect towards their superiors in perpetually endeavouring to level all ranks and do away with all distinctions. It's monstrous to be told that you have a heart as sinful as the common wretches that crawl upon the earth. This is highly offensive and insulting, and I cannot but wonder that your ladyship should relish any sentiments so much at variance with high rank and good breeding. James would support the Methodist preachers. The person in humble circumstances is in a high position. What really matters is that we're in Christ. We're members of the royal family in Christ.
Remember this. Remember that if you're in Christ, we have untold riches. We have the forgiveness of our sins. We have the presence of God's Spirit. We have the hope of heaven. Whereas the only hope for the rich is if they take pride in their humiliation. In other words, you might have everything this world can provide. You might be able to buy Twitter for $40 billion, like Elon Musk. But one day, even Elon Musk will pass away like a wild flower. Yes, says James. Remember this. The sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls. Its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Remember this. When we're tempted to be envious, when we're tempted to commit the sin of coveting, when we feel dissatisfied with our lot in life, remember to have Christ is to have everything. Not to have Christ is to be utterly bankrupt. To summarize verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. What do you really want in life? God is saying to us, persevere through the trials of life. Stay committed to Christ. Because when you've stood the test, you will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Be real. Don't pretend that trials don't hurt. They do. But count those trials as joy because they're leading to your maturity and completeness in Christ. Resolve that you will live for Christ, that you will not be double-minded. You have to decide to follow Jesus, come what may. And remember, true wealth is only found in Christ. Elon Musk cannot take his wealth beyond the grave. But the Christian has a crown to look forward to. The Christian has untold riches to enjoy for all eternity. So do you know Christ? Do you love him? Are you trusting in him? Will you keep living for him? Let's pray together.
Father, thank you that we can be real with you, real about the trials that we go through. Lord, we find them so painful and difficult. But we thank you that we can consider them joy, Lord, because you're working for our perseverance and our maturity and our completeness in Christ. Lord, help us to resolve to follow Christ and to remember him and your purposes at all times. Be with us then, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.